Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we grow in grace in this Christian life, uh, we must also recognize that we must grow in knowledge and in instructions. You know, Peter wrote these words in his epistles mentioning two criteria in growing in the Lord. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, if you look on the screen with me, the Bible says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter was very sure how to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives two criteria. He says, first of all, let's consider the grace of God. Grow in grace. And all of us, I believe, could identify with that wonderful substance called grace. And we all need another chance, another opportunity, another time of dependence on the Lord. And we need the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every single day. But as we have this grace, let us not forget the second criteria. And it's the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means we need to get to know our Jesus Christ. Not to just appreciate His grace, but get to know Him. And for us to get to know Him, we need to know His knowledge, His commandments, and also even His instructions. Jesus Christ never separated the objective and the subjective. It's always been together. Notice what Christ said in simple words for us to understand, but it is truly profound. Look what the Bible says in John 14, verse 15. Could you read this together with me? All right, one, two, three. If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And we see that two criteria is found in the scripture again. If ye love me, that's the subjective. You could say that's, think about, that's thinking about the relationship of grace that we have with Christ. And then also, secondly, we have to keep his commandments. And we need to know what he wants and what he expects uh, uh, from us. And we need to follow his instruction. That's the objective. You see, God has never instructed us or given us anything without grace and truth. It's always been that fine balance I'm sorry, let me just go further. Perfect balance. And God wants to make sure that we have the subjective in place and the objective in place. And if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, then you should be obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter says, grow in grace and also in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And many desire to claim that they love God and they know God, But in works, they deny him. They have the subjective, right? But then uh, they do not have the objective in place. In Titus chapter 1, verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works, they deny him. You see, God has never separated the objective from the subjective. It's very clear from the scripture. If you know me, if you love me, if you have the subjective in place, then, hey, the objective will follow. If you truly love me, then you'll keep my commandments. If you're truly a Christian, then the works will follow. And you will do the good works. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope we have this balance in our lives today that we're not just claiming to know him or to love him and have the subjective in place, but the objective is out of order. And I hope as Christians that we have this perfect balance because we are in tune in the scripture and also we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. 
Our Savior Jesus Christ wants all of his commandments and knowledge to be learned and obeyed. And if we truly love him, we will take heed to do that. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, it says, teaching them to observe how many things? All things. All things. Whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You see how he finishes it off with a subjective. He says, let me tell you about the objective. I want you to be taught and know what I want from you. And I have these commandments for you. And I want you to be comforted now to know that I am with you always. Jesus Christ has always perfected this balance for us. He has given this wonderful instructions and, and these commandments for us to consider. I wonder if we're taking heed. And, 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 and the question is, this morning, I think all of us who recognize that, uh, uh, that we want to claim that we love our Savior, Jesus Christ, but we have this struggle of following the objective, following His commandments, His instructions, in his knowledge. Are we growing in the objective today? Are we growing in his commandments and knowledge today? Because without his commandments, not only will we not grow, but will we lead ourselves to sorrow and misery. And we will also be double-minded. And without instruction and commandments, we will lead our lives to the wicked. That's uh, one example in the scripture. And look at Proverbs chapter 4. Look at verse 13 and 14. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked. And go not in the way of evil men. You see, the Bible is very clear. If we do not take hold of instructions... And if we simply just let his instructions go in our lives, then we will enter into the path of the wicked. If we're not following Christ, then we're following somebody else. And that is the truth of the matter. And if we're not following the objective, instructions and commandments, we will lead ourselves to the other side of the fence, and we need to make sure we're taking heed, and without instructions and commandments, we are also fools, the Bible says. In Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. I don't think there's somebody here who would like to claim themselves to be fools, especially in the eyes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm sure you want to be found wise but we will become fools if we don't have the proper knowledge, if we don't take key to instructions that God has given us. And also, without instructions and commandments, we can lead ourselves to death. The Bible says in Proverbs 5.23, He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. There are people in the Scripture who had to face death in their lives because they refuse instruction. Give me an example, Pastor Jimmy. Well, one example is King Saul. How he had rebellion in his heart. And he refused to listen to Samuel. He made one mistake after another. He did the own sacrifice and not waiting for Samuel. And then he also did not kill off all the Amalekites and all the sheep and all the goods. He brought something back. 
He thought that he was doing well in his own mind, but he did not follow instructions. He says, I did it to sacrifice to our God. He got the subjective right, but he didn't follow with the what? Objective. And we know in the scripture that he, at the end, had to kill himself in the time of battle. What a tragic end. And we know that Samson, at the end... uh, uh, defeated the Philistines, and we know that uh, uh, he died, I guess, in the sense of uh, winning that battle, but we understand that his eyes were plucked. We also understand that he had to grind the mills for the enemy as slave like an ox. Why did he enter that fate in his life? Because he did not follow instructions. He did not follow instructions. And I'm just, I just want to encourage you today and also for all Christians to take heed today to the warning of instructions. His instructions and commandments are for his safekeeping for his children. I wonder if following instructions today. I heard about it recently. Licensed pilot was flying his private plane in a cloudy day. He was not very experienced in his instrument landing, so he was a little afraid. When the control tower was to bring him in, he began to panic. Then a stern voice came over the radio on the control tower, and he said these words, You just obey instructions, we'll take care of the obstructions. You just obey the instructions, we'll take care of the obstructions. That's what God is saying to us. Just obey the instructions, then I'll take care of the obstructions. You don't need to lead yourself to the wicked. You don't need to be fools. You don't need to leave yourself to the valley of dead. You don't need to do that. You need to just take heed to my instructions, then I'll take care of the obstructions. And by the way, he is saying all this because Jesus Christ loves us. God's people say, amen. Not because he hates us. Not because he wants to have. Uh, uh, it's not because he is so. Uh, I guess uh, 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 a God who is a control freak, or you might call him that, or some people might want to see the Bible that way. If you're a non-believer and and if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they think that uh, God is just a uh, uh, ruling with the iron fist. No, uh, our God is love. Our God is grace, but he will not compromise uh, his holiness because of his love, because of his grace. He has some instructions for us to consider. And we need to take heed to that this morning. And we need to take heed to that every single day. I think about what God said to Israel in Ezekiel chapter 18. Look at verse 31. Cast away from all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart, and a new spirit, for why will he die, O house of Israel? Apologize, I guess it's not on the slide, but just think about this statement. God says, hey, change your ways, make you a new heart, make a new spirit. Why would you die, O house of Israel? Why are you leading yourself to death? I'm trying to change you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get you to turn. I'm trying to make sure that you're not facing obstruction. Would you follow my instructions? Why would you die, O house of Israel? And I believe that God is saying to us, why would you die, O Christians? 
Why would you just let sorrow and misery and death come into your lives? And as we seek for God's wisdom, we must understand His wise instructions in our lives today and how He reveals it to us. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 13. Take fast of all of instructions. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. In Proverbs chapter 6, for the commandment is a lamp, and the law, and the law is light, and the reproof of instructions are the way of life. You see, God wants to give us life, and life abundant. And we need to take heed to His instructions. God desires to warn us so that we may seek life and not death. And God has not kept anything secret and he, and he has revealed all that we should know so that we may follow his instructions. How many believe that? You know, God is not going to just kind of hide in the corner somewhere and, and uh, let, uh, let us know uh, that, hey, you guys just need to figure it out how to please me. No, God has given us enough instructions, enough revelation of the scripture, and he has even given us the Holy Spirit so that we may know how to follow him and so that we may know how to follow his instructions. Are you taking this today? God desires to warn us so that we may seek life and not death. God gives us some warnings so that we may take heed. Some warnings in Proverbs chapter 5. I'd like to share with you three of sobering warnings of God when we do not take heed to his instructions. First of all, let's think about the warning of departure. The warning of departure. When one decides to say that he or she does not need to pay attention to God, they will go astray in their own ways. And God will allow that. If you ever read Proverbs chapter 1, it's very clear. He says, I have reached out to you, I have cried unto you, you will not take heed. And then he says, I will mock when your fear cometh. There is a point where God just lets us have our own way. And as we think about the scripture in the New Testament... Some will depart from the faith. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. You see, ladies and gentlemen, us backsliding is a very serious issue. Us not taking heed to instruction is a very serious issue. Some can just simply walk away from church and the Word of God and and, and also prayer, and maybe even serving God, and uh, 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 maybe that, that they were never even saved. But even for some born-again Christians, they can depart from what they have been taught. Some Christians just simply leave the church without saying a word. They have a bitter heart, or they refuse to change, and they get offended by some preaching or some instructions in the scripture and, and they don't agree with all of it, so they just simply depart from their congregation that God has given them. I just want to warn you today, if you're hearted in your heart, if you're stiff-necked and, uh, uh, in your life, God will see to it that maybe you just seek your own way. But God wants to change you. God wants to help you. God doesn't want you to depart from what he has shown you. And God wants to, in every way, uh, make you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But what is your response to God? First of all, let's think about this departure. The problem of people departing is that they're ignoring is not ignorance. The problem of ignoring, not ignorance. 
Hear me now, therefore, children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Now, we cannot depart from what we don't know. Okay? Why is a person departing if he's claiming ignorance? Okay? That person has already known. That's why they're departing, yes? Right? It's because they already know, have known what God has instructed them and, 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 and what he has commanded. And uh, that's why when they're simply walking away, that's why it's called departure. But, you know, if a person is claiming ignorance, they're not departing. They just don't know. But in the scripture, in the context here, it's not talking about that. It's talking about a person who already knows. It's talking about a person who knows instructions. It's talking about a person who already knows what the Bible says. And that person decides to ignore the word of God. Decides to ignore the instructions of God. And uh, in, Pro- in James chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. It is sin. We know that it's right to listen to God. But we choose to ignore him. Are we ignoring God's word and God in God's instructions this morning in Revelation 2, 7, how Jesus Christ just pleads with the churches in Asia, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And ladies and gentlemen, number one problem for many Christians is simply forgetting God's word. Or maybe ignoring God's word. And they tend to not pay attention. And not follow through. They simply want to ignore it. Most Christians are not ignorant. They have the Holy Spirit. And uh, now if you're a young Christian, we understand. You need to kind of go through some training. You need to go through some discipleship. You need to go through some services and Bible study. Uh, we understand that. And, and, but there are some Christians uh, who, are, uh, 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 who have walked this path for many years, but they are ignoring the Word of God. They're ignoring the instructions of God. And they're departing from what God has instructed them. So the problem is not ignorance, but ignoring. Let it be the problem of our own lust and not lured. The problem is not the fact that we are lured into the world. No, the problem is that we are lusting after the world. We are the problem. And in verse 8, remove that way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. This is referring to the strange woman, a harlot or an adulterer uh, in the Bible days. And notice how this son is instructed, remove that way far. Come not nigh close the door of her house. So in the context, you know, the father to the son is instructed, hey, make sure you don't go to the harlot or the strange woman, the adulterer, and uh, make sure you stay away from, from, far from her. And this instruction is very clear in the fact that the father was saying, son, you're the problem. Do not seek her. It's not that she is seeking him. It's that he is seeking her. And, and ladies and gentlemen, that is a problem with our lives today. And, uh, and when people are departing from what they know and, and not taking it to instruction, the problem is not really mainly the world or maybe the devil, but it is their own flesh and their own lust. And uh, they're not being lured, but they're lusting. 
In James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust had conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? You see, the Bible is very clear that we are the problem. God knows that, but we tend to say we're not the problem. We even tend to say that we have not sinned. According to 1 John chapter 1, if you read that chapter, the Bible says, if we claim that we have not sinned, we make God a liar. You see, God always speaks the truth. And he spoke the truth in James chapter 1. When we lead ourselves to sin, hey, it's not because the world is so luring us. No, it's because we are lusting after the world. We need to die to self. We need to follow instructions. We must not depart from what God has revealed to us. Oh, I hope you're taking, taking heed to instructions this morning. Our flesh, our eyes, and the pride of life leads us to temptation. We are the problem. Number two, the warning of destitution. The warning of destitution. You know, we, without God, we can do nothing. Amen? We need the Lord. Nothing can be profitable without God. Nothing can be fruitful without God. We will become destitute without God's instructions and wisdom. So first of all, practically in the scripture, as his son was instructed to stay away from the strange woman, stay away from temptation. Hey, you're the problem. Make sure you do not lead yourself nigh to the door of her house because I want you to know there are some consequences. You'll be, find, you'll be finding yourselves in destitution. So number one, he says there is a debt of slavery. The debt of slavery. In verse 9 and 10, Lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy ears unto the cruel. Let, stranger, let strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. What happens to the son when he doesn't take heed to the father's instructions? In this proverb analogy, he goes to the strange woman. He probably spends his money in the world. He goes into debt. And according to verse 9 and 10, he becomes one servant, a slave. He is counting the years and the days, and he is giving all the labors to a stranger. And this was a common thing in the Bible days, when someone would sell themselves to be a servant or a slave to pay off the debt. And there's a widow uh, who had two uh, sons, and, and uh, of course, Elisha solves the uh, problem with the cruise of oil. And, uh, but her condition was that the creditor had come to take her two sons to be bondsmen, because she has so much debt. She borrow and borrow, and, and as a widow... Uh, a lot of things were depleting, and then at the end, only thing that she had was this, uh, uh, two, uh, this two sons, and the creditor came to get them so that they, be, they become their servants or their slaves. So that was the, I guess, the protocol in those days when you're in so much debt, you give up your family, you give up your children. And that's what the Bible's saying here in verse 9 and 10, a person could spend all and, uh, and, and, and be uh, just uh, careless about, uh, 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 about their lives and, and, and their uh, becoming slave to uh, a stranger and, and to uh, a person they owe debt. 
And, and, and as we think about practically, when we don't take heed to God's instructions, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that we will financially fail. Why? Because we have spiritually failed. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible is very clear. Can you read this with me? Ready? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How many believe that scripture to be true? Amen. If you seek the kingdom of God, if you're right with God, if you're seeking the spiritual, what? The financial will follow. That's what the Bible says. And ladies and gentlemen, as we think about the scripture, let's really apply it to our lives. Stop, stop, you know, seeking after this world and departing from God's instructions. Your priority is finance and then the spiritual. Why is that? Doesn't God own the uh, uh, cattle of a thousand hills? Didn't God say that all the earth is mine? Didn't God say that gold and silver is mine? And ladies and gentlemen, let us not seek this world and the riches thereof and misprioritize our lives in the spiritual. No, you spiritualize your life, you get close with God and let God provide for you. And when, it, when that happens, guess who gets the glory? God does. And only time will tell as you're seeking finances, as seeking riches of this world, that you will find yourself in depletion. You will not find yourself successful. And you will fail in both places, spiritually and also financially. And by the way, the proverb analogy reminds me of a son in the New Testament. The prodigal son, remember him? You see, in Proverbs, the Bible, the father says to the son, don't go to the strange woman. Okay? And then you're going to find yourself in depletion, you're going to financially struggle, and you're going to be servant to another man. And that's what happened to the son, didn't it, in the New Testament in, in Luke chapter 15. The older son tells the father, this son spent all his living okay, with harlots. Remember that? And the young man found himself becoming a what? A servant to another man in that, in that Proverbs. I mean, in that, in that uh, parable. And he was about to eat food with who? With the pigs. It's the same correlation of analogy there. Of what Christ said and, and about what this father said. Hey, if you don't follow instructions, if you don't follow commandments, you will find yourself depleting spiritually and you will spend your life in the world and at the end you'll be financially poor. You're destroying yourself. And you're, you're enslaved to the world and and not just financially, let's think about it this more spiritually too. We can be enslaved to sin and to this world. Why would you do that? Why would you owe anything to the world? Hey, Jesus Christ out on the cross. Jesus Christ paid the price all to him. We owe. We don't owe anything to the world. We owe everything to Christ. 
He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He loved us. He is preparing a mansion for us in heaven. We owe nothing to this world. We owe everything to God. Follow him. Follow his instructions. Live for him. Live for the one who died for you. You owe everything to God. I owe everything to God. The depth of slavery. Let us not have that. So with that, secondly, the depravity of health. In verse 11, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Practically speaking, God does promise health and long life when we take heed to instructions. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Look at verse 2. For length of days. And what kind of life? Long life. And peace shall they add to thee. So if you follow God's commandment, God says, I'll give you long life. I'll give you the length of days. Now, it's not to say that we want to enjoy a little longer in this world. Okay, It's not saying that. And uh, the Bible is just giving you a wonderful blessing to maybe see your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Remember, Job was blessed, and he was able to see till the what? Fourth generation? See the blessings of God in every generation? It's not for you to live up and and live in this world longer. No, it's for you to glorify God longer. It's for you to see the blessings of God a little longer. And God promises us that. And and as we think about some infirmities and and maybe some health trials can be traced back to some sins. And and, uh, I, I, I... I'm not saying that every case is like that. And we know that Job was hit with infirmity. And, and I believe that he has some pride issue. If you ever look at the scripture and, and, uh, and he was rebuked by Elihu, uh, the youngest man uh, among his friends. And Elihu never had to give a sacrifice. I believe he was speaking the right things among his friends. And, and uh, he was upset because Job was justifying himself as righteous. And, and we see later on that Job had to repent and, and he had to really... Uh, Tell the Lord that he was wrong, and, and we see that there was something wrong in his heart. We see that there was something uh, uh, a prideful in his heart. And, uh, and, but as we think about his infirmities, we know that uh, those trials came about so that he could be a better man, he could be a finer man, so that he could go through some purging in his life. And some people could go through that, we understand. But let us not forget that some infirmities in the Scripture that uh, uh, found in some different stories, Stories, uh, they, they received those because they were backsliding. They were not right with God. God had to correct them. I remember reading the scripture about Jesus healing the sick of the palsy, and he said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And all the Jews were just kind of upset. Oh, how could you say that, you know, uh, his sins are forgiven? And, and uh, you know, uh, how could you claim yourself to be God? And, and, of course, Jesus Christ said those words so that he claimed himself to be God, to be the Son of God. But if you look at that context, if you, just, you have to wonder, I wonder why Christ said that. Just to prove them wrong, that he is the Son of God. No, I think he said that because maybe that man had some sin in his life that led to infirmities, that led to health troubles. That's why he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Rise up and walk. Now, every situation is different. 
But we must, we must con- contemplate and also evaluate our lives. I wonder if I have some infirmities in my life because I've not been right with Him. I think it's right for us to do that. I think about the Corinthian church, and they were taking the Lord's Supper in vain, and they were just kind of doing it casually, and they were not uh, uh, doing it in a holy manner. And the Bible says, Paul wrote, that's why some of you are weak and sick, and many sleep. Some people died. Why? Because they were wayward. They weren't right with God. They were taking the Lord's Supper, not in God's instruction, but in their own instructions of the flesh. And, God's, and Paul says, some of you are sick. Some of you have infirmities. And some of you are dying. And that's why Paul says, let, let the man examine himself. Remember that? Let the man examine himself. Make sure that he's right with God. Sometimes we don't want to think about that in the Scripture. I understand. But it is in the Scripture. Sin does bring some infirmities, some hell trials in our lives. Not all. Some righteous, godly people go through trials because maybe God wants to make them a finer person. We understand that. But not every situation is like that for a Christian. We want to just kind of be fine and dandy, think about the other side. But we must examine ourselves, though. Did I, did I do the right thing 10 years ago? Did I live the right life for the last five years? Remember Hezekiah? He was sick, and God says, you're going to die. What did Hezekiah say? I have been right with you. I live for you. Would you consider my walk? And what did God do? Gave him 15 more years. I'm just simply saying, my friend, it's in the Bible. And and we need to consider whether if we are right right with God and he is just purging us to be a finer man, or are we just reaping some sins or some outcome of the past that we have done. And we need to get right with him. Now, don't look, I mean, don't seek for Benny Hinn, amen? Okay? All right? Don't look for some healers or anything like that. I'm not referring to all that. But it is in the scripture about sin equals infirmities. Some of you young people, you're healthy now. You're living up now. But you live for God now. Because only time will tell in the days to come. What you have done in your own pleasure and sin might lead to some infirmities in the years to come. Thirdly, the warning of regret. Disobedient Esau regretted with a root of bitterness. Remember that? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest... Uh, uh, there be any fornicators or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Esau sold his own birthright for a bowl of soup. 
And the Bible says he found no place of repentance. So he sought it carefully with what? Tears. You know, just because you have tears or sorrow or emotion, that doesn't mean that changes your fate. The sorrow of the world worketh death, the Bible says. And they gem it, it might be too late at the end. You might have to just face the consequence. Face the reaping in your life. So before that time comes, would you get right with him now? Would you live for him now so that you won't be regretting like Esau? First of all, regret of hating, the son says, and say, how have I hated instructions and my heart despised reproof. We might say, I'll never get to a place where I hate God's instructions. How do you know that? There'll be never a place where I hate the church, where I hate the Bible, where I hate the preaching of God's word. How do you know that? Aren't we all capable of pride and sin? And hatred could be found in pride? Oh, I want to encourage you and, and warn you today, we could find ourselves hating the things of God at the end. Despising the things of God at the end. And also regret that you hated it because you are now reaping what you have sowed. Secondly, the regret of not heeding. Verse 13 and 14, I have now obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Notice he had teachers, right? He had teachers, yes? And he says, nor incline my ear to them that instructed me. He had instructors. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Now, what does that mean? He's referring to the people of Israel, the house of Israel. David wrote in Psalm 22, verse 22, I would declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. That congregation and that assembly was significant because these I mean, these are the chosen people of God. They received the law of God. Say, they knew better. And as we think about this nation, as we think about this uh, uh, analogy of the par- uh, Proverbs, we see it's very clear that this man was in the right place, in the right nation, and, and with the right teachers, and with the right instructors. But the Bible says, I was in almost all evil when I had the right atmospheres around me. You know, some people could go to Bible Baptist Church every single Sunday, but their heart is backsliding, and they're not taking heed to teachers, they're not taking heed to instructors, and they have their own ways. They're physically here, but they're spiritually departing. How dangerous is that? How frightful is that? You carry the Bible, you come to church, but you're backsliding spiritually. You're among the assembly, you're among the congregation. I had a good friend in Bible college who shook my hand uh, almost every week, and he says, Jimmy, I'm praying for you. I thank God for his testimony. And, uh, and uh, he was going to prepare himself to be a missionary, and then he backed out at the last minute. And now he is a uh, musician, and now he is married to a 60-year-old man. He's a homosexual. I had to uh, 
stop his social media popping up on my social media? He would just kind of contact his friends, let him know what he's doing. I had to stop that because one time he was marrying a gay couple. He was actually now marrying a gay couple. Using the name of God in vain. Using maybe the scripture in vain. He is far out there now. He was in the midst of the assembly. He was, he was in the midst of the congregation. What happened? He never examined himself. Whether he be in the faith. He's never, he, he's never, he was never born again. I went out sowing with him. I went out doing, I went out on a visitation for an hour with him. I remember trying to reach this man. I was sitting in the kitchen trying to re- witness to him. I was trying to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was more atheistic and he wouldn't, he wouldn't budge. And, and I remember in the palm there just sharing the gospel. And in the other room, he was playing with the other kids or his kids, my prospect's kids. After that was done, he told me, oh, you have a lot of patience. And, and uh, we just kind of pray for that man to be saved. What happened to this man? What happened to this man? He did not take heed to instructions. Now, that's a very far, far extreme situation. But ladies and gentlemen, we're all sinners. We're capable of sin. Yes, we're capable of wrongdoings, evil things. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Where is your heart today? Are you, in, are you taking heed to God's instruction? Are you taking heed to God? 